And welcome, everybody. We are out on Twitter Spaces to take your calls. I'm, of course, watching you over on the Restream and the Rumble Rants as well. But uh, today it's sort of AMA. Ask me anything, whatever you're interested in, we'll get to it. I've got some things on my mind as well. And uh, I'm sure Susan has some ideas about what she wants to talk about, like how, how it's like to struggle with an airline that's not very responsive. Is that what you're doing right now, Susan? She can't even hear me. Uh, no, so, I'm, <laughs> I'm dealing with triplets flying that's to what Portugal, I said, an and I've been doing airline. airlines for the last 24 hours. Unresponsive airlines. That's no, what. I found it. He just, okay. your son is looking. He, travel is your jam. He you may be able to today. play Rachmaninoff on the piano and and run a business, but he can't find a seat on a Swiss Well, I, pre I actually am sympathetic to that because I can't do that either. I know, it's but, true. Uh, he, he got it from you. All right, we're all here. We'll get out your calls. We're on Twitter Spaces. Just raise your hand there, and I'll bring you on up. You'll be streaming out on multiple platforms, wherever you can find us, which is Rumble and uh, Twitter and Twitch and Facebook and YouTube, the usual places. But I'm interested in your questions today. There's a lot to debrief on for the last couple of weeks. Let's get to it. Our laws, as it pertains to substances, are draconian and bizarre. The psychopaths start this way. He was an alcoholic. Because of social media and pornography, PTSD, love addiction, fentanyl and heroin, ridiculous <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a doctor for <laughs> sake. Where the hell do you think I learned that? I'm just saying, you go to treatment before you kill people. I am a clinician. I observe things about these chemicals. Let's just deal with what's real. We used to get these calls on Loveline all the time. Educate adolescents and to prevent and to treat. If you have trouble, you can't stop and you want to help stop it, I can help. I got a lot to say. I got a lot more to say. Hey, you guys, I just uh, came from uh, two hours with Mark Garagos, where he was sitting in for Adam Carolla for me on the Adam and Drew show. And uh, very interesting uh, hearing his thoughts about so many of the things that are going on today. It's, it's, we all share the same concerns. There are so many excesses that are going on and so many things that need explication and explanation that are going unexplained. Uh, I made the mistake or the, it wasn't a mistake, um, I, uh, essentially, I think I retweeted something somebody said about the excess deaths, uh, in Western countries. And I merely made the comment that this is something we need to explain, which is the case. If you listen to me and Dr. Malhotra, the cardiologist from UK, we were re reporting many of the clinical things we were seeing and the complete lack of response from the scientific community, from the government regulation agencies, from the epidemiology community. What's causing this? Where is it coming from? Who's doing the studies? What are the studies underway? What are the preliminary preprints? What are we looking at? And it just looks like they're looking at nothing. They're just, they're literally, we are seeing data that suggests excess deaths. Um, if you look at the ethical skeptic or Alex Berenson, the data looks pretty scary. And today, John Campbell on his YouTube stream essentially was looking at the same data and just shaking his head. Why are we hearing nothing? Why isn't anybody in the press asking a question about what this data means? It's all non-COVID death. Now, it could be we're getting the denominator wrong, that we're anticipating a lower level of excess death than we should be. This is what Dr. Vinaya Prasad pointed out to us, that perhaps we are model, perhaps our model is not correct. Or maybe this is some residual of COVID, or this is related to long COVID, or it's related to lockdown, or it's related to the mental health crisis we are in, or it's related to the vaccine, or it's all of the above. But somebody needs to begin to look at these questions and at least ask the question. At least ask the question, A, 
Are we really seeing excess deaths, yes or no? Yes or no? If so, what are the likely culprits and what is our evidence for that? Uh, I was just listening to before the um, mics heated up to Michael Crichton back in 2007. He was a, he was a physician, famous writer, wrote and directed movies and wrote Jurassic Park and that kind of stuff. And, uh, and he was saying in 2007 how mysterious it was for him that people seem more interested in consensus than in evidence. And he reminded us that the history of the Nazi regime was the Nazi scientists all got together and said, Einstein didn't know what he was talking about. That's our consensus. And again, we need proof. Unfortunately, I think the post-structuralist infection has gotten under our skin where the idea of proof is something anathema, something old-fashioned. We have to have proof for things, and the proof has to be good, has to withstand scrutiny, and by the way, uh, uh, dialogue and, and, and debate about it. So uh, my little tweet that just said, hey, we got to explain this, there's Dr. John Campbell today shaking his head just going, I don't understand. It was like a 20-minute video. It was very short. And his question was, "What? why isn't somebody asking this question? It looks like a horrible event is underway. It looks like the deaths are higher than with COVID. What's going on? What are we looking at here? Is there an error in our data or is there something really going on? I can tell you, uh, if you listen to me and Dr. Malhotra, you will hear very good conversation about the cardiological effects with which have been well substantiated. The problem is, I think we're about a year behind on our data and the clinical situation where we're seeing tons of problems with supraventricular arrhythmias of various types, possibly some increase in sudden death in young people. I think that data is behind. I don't, we have, don't think we have that data caught up yet. And uh, again, if you are someone out there, particularly young males that suddenly developed rapid heart rhythms, particularly very heart rhythms. So supraventricular tachycardias are rhythms that are generated from the top of the heart, the atria. Not that uncommon in young adulthood, but usually they are in the range of about 150 to 170 in terms of rate. I have noticed in these ones that seem vaccine related, the rate is around 240, which is unusual. And a rate, a supraventricular rate of 240 can deteriorate into a more dangerous rhythm associated with sudden death. So this is really serious stuff. Um, we saw a lot of POTS. We saw people passing out. And by the way, it does not, it appears to be more associated with boostering than with the initial, as much concern as there was with the initial series, the boostering seems to even have more of this, uh, according to the data. And, and again, if not, and, and one of the questions that needs to be answered is, is this worse than from COVID itself, Right. COVID clearly has uh, end organ problems, had problems with cardiology, with your heart, with your brain, endothelial problems. I've been saying forever that it's there's something about this disease that affects the lining of the arteries. Seems that the vaccines may be doing something similar. Which, what's the relative risk of one setting versus the other? If somebody who's 30 years old and seems to get no moderate COVID, no serious COVID, no complications from COVID, those are the ones we are making sick with a vaccine, Maybe we want to think about where we target our vaccine therapies. Uh, and of course, as I mentioned yesterday, because of AB 2098 in California, we can't discuss this with our patients because any discussion deviates from the standard of care as laid out in the law by AB 2098. Now, I've said before here that I've, meant, I've talked to the board and I've tried to 
create a common ground with them and help you know everyone understand each other. It's still very difficult to get them to understand what a complaint does to a physician, how it destroys his or her life for periods of time, that being an outlier is not the issue. Nuisance complaints is the issue that destroys people's lives. Of course, if you're an outlier, you should be disciplined by the board. Of course, it goes without saying. Everyone in my profession wants quality physicians to be the ones that are interacting with the public. But nobody, as Dr. Dr. Victory pointed out yesterday, should be more frightened than patients when physicians are being forbidden from discussing risk-reward and full, full informed consent if, in their opinion, the doctor's opinion, it flies in the face somewhat of the standard of care and then runs afoul of 2098. It really is kind of an extraordinary time. Uh, I... I uh, feel like we're in the upside down all the time. And as I said, I was with Dr. Mr. Mark Garagos for a couple hours, and he had a very similar sort of feeling about things from the standpoint of the legal system. Oh, you want the Crichton interview? I will get it to you. Yeah, you can do it after. Uh, hmm. I'll add it to the website well, so when people are looking for it. it. I don't know. I'm going to email it to you right now. I don't know why I got to it. I don't remember if somebody recommended it to me or why it was something that I started listening. But I've uh, found myself listening to it repeatedly and just thinking, wow, um, this thing, it, it was all the way back then people had concerns about this. And uh, now I, I think Dr. Crichton is gone now, but uh, if he, is, is, my, is Michael Crichton passed away? Is that true? Am I correct about that? Can somebody help me I on that? I think so. I'm, I'm looking, looking at restream. It yeah. Uh, maybe you can help me with that. Um, yes. In 2008. I forget what he, yeah. Let's start a rumor. No, I thought he had. He had. And it was right after that conversation, which is interesting. Did you hear there's after, a rumor that Trump After he sold dead? 200 million books. Yeah, not a bad career, I got to say. And uh, he was talking about how he made predictions in some of these books 40 years earlier. And how he's able to look back and sort of assess himself, like how close was I to being accurate? Uh, can I still stand by my opinions? Things change. Things do change. All right, so I want to get to your calls. Got a lot of you up there with your hands up. Uh, let's get right to it. Uh, Say hi to people on Getter. Oh, Getter. And hi, Twitter. Twitter, We Getter. can't see your remarks. Hello? One second, sir. We can't see oh, your sorry. remarks on our restream, but we do know you're there. Uh, but we can see them over on Rumble. Rumble and YouTube. Well, I wasn't and Facebook uh, and Twitch. Oh my God, Sorry, I didn't are, mean to interrupt you. I'm just but. looking at the Rumble guys, and they're just perpetuating all kinds of weird <laughs> theories. So please, guys, get your facts. Get the facts out if there. If I see anything good on Getter, I'll let you know. Uh, Molten Sansa, isn't 240 higher than being very active? Yes. When you get over 150 molten salt, you're no longer in the range of physiological rhythm. Uh, above 150, you're into pathological rhythms, generally speaking. Though you can have an atrial flutter that's lower than that, things like that. But even atrial fib can be lower. But uh, in terms of determining something to be a rapid rhythm that's a problem, over 150 is sort of an interesting threshold. Uh, yes, sir. What's going on? Hey, Dr. Daddy, how you doing? Thanks hey, for mommy. taking my call. You bet. Uh, so um, I feel like it's kind of serendipitous that you selected me because with all of this talk about heart issues and that sort of thing, um, you know, it kind of relates to my condition. I called a few weeks ago. I was telling you about Lyme disease and how yeah. I had that. Yeah. And I had end stage Lyme and I had a heart arrhythmia, which was associated with Lyme carditis. Mm -hmm. So what I want to ask you 
is what's the difference between Lyme carditis and myocarditis? Lyme, it were, I think you're maybe misquoting um, the term. It would be Lyme myocarditis. My, any, inf okay. any, any information of heart muscle is called myocarditis. So it is what causes the myocarditis, viral myocarditis, Lyme myocarditis, the kinococcus myocarditis, whatever. You know, there's all kinds of things you can get that cause myocarditis. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. It just, you know, all of this has me wondering if I dodged a bullet because like I said before, I was apprehensive about, you know, taking the shot. And, uh, I just wonder if I might've ended up becoming one of these statistics sometimes. I, I, I hope not. Uh, myocarditis is a serious thing. As I've said repeatedly on the stream it, before the, the vaccine days, myocarditis was a rare emergency for two reasons. A, you could suddenly get a deteriorating rhythm or heart failure. And down the road months, you can end up in with needing a cardiac transplant. The muscle can just fail. And we don't know how to predict one versus the, you can't look at the muscle and predict. I mean, obviously, if there's a lot of inflammation, you worry you're going to get a worse outcome. Thank you, buddy. I'm glad you are better uh, and that you've remained well. Let's talk to, whoops, what's happening here? Uh, this is the batch tube, the batch. Hi, guy. Hi, guy. Uh, so I actually called about a month ago and uh, briefly talked about my thesis with the black. With the thesis with what? I'm sorry. Black hole stuff. I missed what you said. Thesis with. Oh, with the black hole stuff. The black, the black hole. I don't remember. Not the butthole, the black hole. The black uh, hole. But yeah, it's. I remember that. Vaguely. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway. Thank you, Susan. <laughs> You're welcome. So I found out recently the professor that was my advisor is in need of a kidney. Ooh. And I'm wondering if I can promote his website on here by chance. Uh, yeah, sure. Why not? Yeah. I don't know what that accomplishes, right? Do you, do you, you can't direct your kidney, can you? <laughs> I guess you can. Yeah, you He's... can say you can give a kidney to somebody. Yeah, so I guess you can. Uh, so what is it? It's kidney, the number four, scott.com. Okay. Pretty simple. That's nice. If somebody, yep. that would have to be somebody willing to give up their kidney, right? Yeah. And uh, I'm just hoping for him. He's a great guy. So, all right, man. My daughter's I giving her. Maybe we get now. a bigger audience. We'll give it a shot. We'll send it out there. Kidney for Scott.com. Uh, .com. Uh, this is Jalal, I think. If I get this name right. Hey, Jalal. We got you up there. I'm going to maybe pull you down if we, oh, you got to unmute your. It's just a little leg and then the mute button. There you go. The mute button. Yeah, it's weird how it. It's mute, on now. The mute thing comes on after they get pulled <laughs> up. It's very weird. I don't know. So is the microphone a little yeah, left corner? You got to pay it. attention to that. Yes, Elon. First order of business. <laughs> and, if, and if my eight bucks a month is going to go to something, I want it to go to this. Uh-uh. Yes. All right. I'm going to have to take him down. Well, come back later, Jalal. Yeah. You'll figure it out. Okay. This is uh, Logan. Okay. By the way, oh, Logan, you got to unmute the mic. Don't forget. Come on, Logan. You know, the other oh, thing. Oh, dang. That was fast. Hey, sorry. I didn't realize you had accepted me so fast. There you just, uh, you came up on my thread. Me. You came up quickly on my thread. So I just pushed. Go ahead. Yeah. So, um, I asked once before, like what you thought about what would happen if disclosure ever happened. But here we have like the um, the uh, coming out with like the UFO report for this year that they're second year in a row. Right. So I just wanted to know, uh, I know what you thought might be disclosed with the uh, new UFO report and uh, how that might affect uh, 
population if they, you know, go ahead and say, you know, aliens are here. Yeah, I, I don't, um, I hope they're here. I think it'd be fun, <laughs> but I, I, For the record, I don't think they'll ever say that. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't see the evidence that they're going to, that there's going to be much to this. I, I'd be surprised, but I'm, I'm prepared to but, be. I mean, just hypothetically, if they did. So I, I don't even know the spectrum of what they could tell us. I mean, are they going to tell us that there's a bacterium that they think came in an asteroid? Or are they going to tell us uh, that there is someone who, um, you know, like there's a consciousness around us and he visits my house? That, that they're like observing us, like in the sky, like, and we don't know like their motivations, but they're just observing us okay. and they seem to be uh, friendly so, maybe, but so, we don't know. So, all right. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go on pure fantasy speculation ride with you, okay? I'm just going to just going to riff on this just to see if okay, you want me to do that. He's giving me a heart. Uh, I like that movie, was it Contact with Jodie Foster? Logan, is that the one where she goes into a parallel kind of uh universe, so to speak? I, I don't know how else to describe it, like almost a a time space alteration you know what i'm talking about where like they build like the machine from the future yeah. and like they go to um the star vega and she like talks with her deceased father exactly exactly that i that to me was interesting i don't know that it's the closest thing to reality but i like the fact that they took it away from this idea of saucers landing on the on the ground i like the idea that for instance perhaps we're a hologram Right, I try to figure out why is it that the thing that's most mysterious in the universe for me is electron entanglement. Do you know what I'm talking about by electron entanglement? Oh yeah. Okay, so entanglement for, for the rest of you is if I do a quantum measurement on the spin of an electron in this pen, and then I do another quantum measurement on an electron and a star five light years away, these two electrons will be entangled. They will affect each other through time and space by ways we have no fucking idea how it happens. So the only way- Spooky action at a distance. Spooky action at a distance is what Einstein called it. It's exactly right. And the one of the ways I can make sense of it, we, again, we have a limited instrument up here, right? So part of what my theory would be, Logan, is that whatever this is that we don't see that we're missing, probably not something that we were exposed to in our evolutionary heritage and had no evolutionary function in terms of our survival. Therefore, we didn't develop the capacity to really know it or pay attention to it or find it. Okay. So I'm going to say a combination of the weakness of this instrument in terms of what its purpose was, which was causing homo sapiens to get to a, another generation that's the, the sole purpose of this thing. That's why this thing evolved. This amazing, one of the most complicated instruments of, of nature evolved to get this species forward in time. That's it. That's what we developed for. So lots of things we don't know, lots of things we don't see. It's amazing we have been able to deconstruct and understand things using methodologies, not our sensory function so much anymore, but methodologies to penetrate the physical reality and spooky action at a distance suggests to me that space-time may be a um, artifact it may not really exist and it may be an artifact of us essentially being kind of a holographic representation of what's really going on 
and we haven't penetrated yet what's really going on. Uh, and somebody somewhere, and by somebody, I'm, I'm not even using the term correctly, something somewhere, something or other, <laughs> may have greater capacity and and see us doing what we're doing or whatever or be able to move in and out of our hologram or something. Um, as, as Heidegger and people who studied Heidegger used to say, it's uh, something that's something about something that's something. <laughs> it's like it's like we can't describe it. So I prefer to kind of keep it there. And because it doesn't have pragmatic utility for me, that's why I don't spend a lot of time thinking about it. Logan, what do you think about that? I think that's a. I'm impressed how much you know about that. Actually, that's a, that's you're uh, really uh, pretty smart, like well rounded. And uh, I think you're totally right. Well, I I just I I've been. It's been because because I've been ruminating about quantum entanglement for a long time these thoughts occur to me i've never said them out loud till just now and i don't think i've ever said them in my own head in a linear sequence like that uh and i have no idea if it's anything but um i don't know that it's not so there you go so i hope that logan that they whatever they give you moves us forward in our understanding of this okay thanks brother i appreciate it all right man thank you that was fun <laughs> so. good for you Good for him or good for me? Somebody just mentioned the Truman Show. Were you on the T Truman Show or was I, it? No, I was in the um, the one with Woody Harrelson. Yeah, I can't remember the name the, of it. Uh, yeah, where he was also on a TV show all the time. So. Yeah. Uh, but I but I was on it with Bill Maher. Yeah. So, yeah. So how weird is have that? you ever encountered anyone that has that the Truman Show a diagnosis where they actually believe that the whole world revolves around like it's it's called that for that reason oh. because they actually believe that. Uh, they're, in a similar state where they're the main character of being a watched. I mean, psychotic world. patients, psychotic patients will have similar kinds of beliefs. I was talking to Gary goes about this today and that, and that what people don't understand is that thinking is the problem in mental illness. Thinking is what becomes disturbed and distorted in very specific, but often subtle ways. And people don't understand when they're hearing it, Humbly, I thought of this when I was listening to Ye on Lex Friedman's podcast. Mm -hmm. I thought, oh goodness, uh, there it is. Uh, and this poor man, and, I, and I'll, I, I'll back that guy, needs to get help with that so he doesn't say these things that get, get him in such trouble. Because um, the thinking gets off when, when your brain has a certain, when certain conditions. The classic thing is denial with drug addicts, right? That's a biological process in the brain that's off. They can't see what's happening to them. They deny what's happening. They minimize it. That we kind of, I think a lot of people understand what denial is. But there are things like that that operate in all mental illnesses. And the thing that is the most problematic in most illnesses is the thinking. They start thinking certain things are good ideas or thinking things that are happening or believing special insights and special abilities. And that's all a thought problem. That's a thought problem. All right. So uh, let's talk to tell me no lies. Get, get that patient up here, person up here. Talk oh, sorry. There you My are. mic was off. There you are. <laughs> so sorry. Hey, Drew. Hey. Hi, Susan. <laughs> um, so here's an update. I'm sure you remember we talked about the um, withdrawal, toxic withdrawal of the um, SSRI Cymbalta. Yes. yes. And you were having the weeks ago. you were having the zaps and misery and okay. You sound oh. you sound better. You sound better now. I I am better. I am not 
free of it, but I'm now functioning with it. Did they give you anything to help? Nope. Mm. It, it, it gets better. It it can take up to I don't want to tell you how long, but it does it does get better. Don't depress me. I already yeah. read all that. Yeah. It could take six months. It could take Easy. six years. There's just no six way years to know. Is, six years is weird. One year is common. Six months is also common though. So hopefully it'll be a six monther. I hope it's less. Yeah. But here's the here's the so I I went on nothing. Yeah. I didn't re, I didn't reinstate the Cymbalta, so I didn't titrate retitrate down because yeah. I didn't want to I didn't want to risk serotonin syndrome, so I skipped that. Not likely, not likely. But didn't we talk about cyproheptadine and other sorts of uh, medicines? That, yeah, yeah, I I think we did. But you know, I never heard back from my doctor, and I I, I, I sent my doctor a message the same day, okay. so I never I never got a message back. I never got a return. Um, but here's the other thing that I've been dealing with for over a year. And so this is obviously not a withdrawal symptom, but it's an actually involved syndrome is the, um, is the, uh, the, uh, serotonin, what, what is it? The, it's the, uh, PSSD, mm -hmm. the, the, the sexual dysfunction. Yes. Yes. What about Side it? effect that goes with the okay, so hello. <laughs> All right, so that that's, what, do about, that's, what do you do about that? That's distressing, right? And so, so and uh, so SSRIs and NSRIs can cause decreased libido, orgasmic function problems, all that kind of good stuff. Um, for years, I used to fight with the drug companies. They denied it happened. It made me crazy. Um, I helped out on a campaign with uh, Burroughs Welcome to try to raise awareness about that, and that ended up being a nightmare because they got they that company got busted making recommendations for off-label use of medications. And uh, but at the time, I was very proud of the campaign that me, the psychiatrist and the gynecologist, were doing was try to raise awareness about this. And the thing that has become increasingly aware in recent years is that some of these people that develop these sexual side effects from these medications have them permanently. Now it's a small yeah, I, number. It's a small number. Oh, it's good. not a common Thank you thing. For saying that. And it often resolves. And I got to tell you, if you're already so miserable with the withdrawal syndrome, I mean, people in withdrawal don't have sexual good sexual function. You know what I'm saying? Of course not. Yeah. Of so, course not. so I think this is more about that. I think this is more about that. Well, here's the thing: is is that while I was still on Cymbalta, I noticed a, my my libido being killed. Right. So this so this was just. I'm now off everything. Good. I I, I shouldn't I shouldn't admit this, but I I cold turkeyed off Wellbutrin too. Good. I was on three hundred milligrams. I I when people start getting, I I'm not telling you what to do, and you're not my patient. I don't no, know what's going on with you. But I must tell you, when when people get into complicated situations, and they and they, I will just say my own personal experience of this. When people get into complications, in complicated situations, both in terms of withdrawal or side effects, and they want to stop everything, I'm sort of relieved. I feel like you're 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 not going to make things worse by doing that. You may get through some miserable experiences, but you're not going to make the overall syndrome worse in all likelihood. Yeah, that, that was that was the chance that I took, and my 22 year old mm -hmm. daughter was taking um, Wellbutrin too, and she went on it because she got really depressed during COVID and being locked in. Of course, and she's a, she's an introvert, so the fact that she's depressed, not being able to go to school, is really terrible, depressing, terrible. And, yeah, so she ran out of her medication and she stopped taking it. And I said, "Do not go back on it. Do not." Well, again, don't. I be always be careful because we don't know what she might have told her doctor with the door closed in terms of who knows what that they're treating. And so you you don't want to be the doctor, but you want to say, 
you, I, I would urge you to say something like, boy, it's a great relief to me because I've had side effects. Make sure you check in with your doctor. Just make sure. Well, here's the thing is she said, I don't even know I was still on it because I wasn't even, I wasn't even, now that I'm back in school and I'm back in class and she's away at school, she goes, I, it, I'm not depressed it, it, anymore. It's all good. Don't get me wrong. I'm relieved too that she's off. Hooray it, for but, that. But we, but you, right? you, patients and families shouldn't be making therapeutic decisions. I'm just saying she can fight with her, fight off her doctor if she wants to stay off it, but at least report to that person. Just send an email. Go ahead. Just let you yeah. know. Did just her hair it. fall out? Yes. Yeah, yeah mine Ro did too. Robutrin does that. I always now. have that problem. What? Oh my God. I think we found the missing link. She could not, but you know what? Wait, I take it back. Her hair was thinning while she was on it yeah. and she cannot get that thickness back. And we have really thick hair in my family. It'll come back. Yeah, it'll so, come back. Get the Rogaine going sometimes. You know, there are things. There's, there's you know. For a 22 year old, you do Rogaine, really? Sure. Nutrafol. It it'll do, come back. Yeah, this stuff it, to help it just, bring it, it back. comes back a half an inch a month. Okay. So you'll see little tiny baby hairs coming in. Oh, okay. I'll tell her. About but that. Anyway, happens with I, your I got lots too. of folks I got to get to. I appreciate. I know you, you have calling. a lot of people. So what do I do about the what do I do at the p the PSSD? Do I just have to deal with it no, until I, it's over? Let's yes. But, I mean, look, you're asking me for a treatment advice. I can't do that, uh, but I can tell you that I would not expect your full sexual function to come back until the withdrawal was sort of really subsided. Okay. And then maybe I'll notice a change in the side effect from being on it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, so maybe and, and I would, uh, I mean, get your engine started again, see, see what's, you know, see what stimulates you and what's going, you can get things kind of going. Um, cause it, 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 it sort of has momentum to it. The, the yeah. Cause I still feel fluey. Isn't that it's, it, 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 I got really great. I had like a few good days mm -hmm. where I wasn't feeling like I had the flu anymore. Mm -hmm. And then it came back mm -hmm. and I, I saw this, I'm going to put this on, I'm going to post, post this and tag you and, okay. Tag you. And the symptoms are, I went, oh my God, that's everything. <laughs> it's yep. like everything. Yep. And so maybe it'll help some other listeners. I don't know, but, but, um, I understand you're not giving no, me any medical advice. That. So, you know, but I, I think it's really important that people know that this is not made up and it's not, um, it's not in anybody's head here. It's yep. real. Okay. This, this shit is real. Got it. Thank you, Drew. Okay. I appreciate it. So okay. I, thank you, but uh, so I have to. So the restream is bringing up this uh, what they're calling JSK and Wellbutrin. So I'll explain again what happened with what the time was called Welcome and then Burroughs Welcome, which is a company that made a medication called Wellbutrin at the time. They hired me and a couple of psychologists and a psychiatrist and a gynecologist to educate people about the side effects of SSRIs. That was the campaign. I had seen people's lives and relationships destroyed by exactly what's happening to our last caller, which is they developed these sexual side effects. And I was delighted to be a part of that campaign. It was not a Wellbutrin campaign. He didn't make a lot it of was, money either. It was not a campaign, hey, use Wellbutrin. But occasionally people asked me, what do you do in your practice? What do you do in your practice when somebody developed these side effects? At that time, I would either stop the medicine or I would switch to something that didn't cause a sexual side effect. And there were three medicines I used at that time that was Serazone, which is a good medicine. Since but that had to go off the market for some reason. Took it off the market because of liver inflammation. I was taking it. Wellbutrin and, um, um, oh gosh darn it, mirtazapine. The, the nighttime medication. I would use one of those three medications or sometimes I'd add Wellbutrin. 
And I would answer that when people would ask me that. Amongst this campaign, which we did all over the country, uh, I would answer that honestly. That's how I'm totally entitled to answer that. Apparently, one time when I answered it on a radio show or something. On K-Rock. No, I don't know where it was, but I, I didn't say, oh, by the way, I'm, I'm t I took a stipend from this company and, uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. Right, you're their sponsor I, I forgot to, I forgot, which I can't believe I forgot, but I guess I forgot to to do no. give my disclosures. It was K-Rock, it was three in the morning. May, well, maybe, but I, you're supposed to always give disclosures when you talk about medication if you're accepting any kind of stipend. Uh, and that that was not Glaxo, that was not SmithKline, it was called Burroughs Welcome back then. It was way long before SmithKline and those companies came in. Those companies did come in, and apparently they had a habit of promoting off-label use of medication. So you don't even understand what the problem was, people who want to take issue with this. The problem was that that company was urging doctors to use their inhalers primarily off-label that's against the law. So when I talked about my practice of an off-label use on a medicine, which I'm totally at my liberty to discuss wherever, whenever I want, I left out the the uh, full disclosure, which is the massive error on my part. But there was that's a lawsuit here in named, the middle of it. That's why I got named in that lawsuit. So I want to give it. Not because I accepted money to go educate from them, not because I was promoting Wellbutrin, because I left out... I, I can't, still can't even believe I did it, but I guess I left out right. in, in, when it. I was discussing these these uh, use of medication to avoid sexual side effects, what I do in my practice, and oh, by the way, one of those but medicines. It was another cancel culture situation before yeah. anybody knew what that was. Yep. Hey, sure. um, thanks, Julius Agnos, That's for true. the $2 super chat on, on YouTube. We appreciate it. He just wanted to let you know that Carl Sagan wrote the novel Contact. Oh, really? That's interesting. He was giving us his, his well, knowledge, and we missed good. it, but... Uh, and also, yes, Ramaran is mertazapine. Thank you for that. I get was, Drew off his rant. <laughs> uh, well, no, I just, I get very- I was there. It was BS. I, I, get, I get upset because it was a campaign that was extremely good. It was helping get people off SSRIs, yeah, much but like you, that last call. But you had your first case of and, cancer. And it was cancel culture. culture, and people didn't even, as always, it was never what I did is what they said I did, which was not what I did. What I did was exactly. an error in disclosure. That was my error. Not an error in promoting. I went with you on all those tours. There were a lot of depressed people in those audiences. It was and really good. And relationships were getting totally messed oh, up. It by was SSRIs. like really sad to see, but yeah. Well, remember we, we went had all John, over the country. Uh, we had that guy from wrote the book "Men Are from Mars." Yeah, Venus with us. We had all these different people. <laughs> John with us. Gray. Yeah, John Gray. That guy was, with was us. a trip. But we had all these we people to New trying York. to we went talk to about the importance of relationships. We went to some big cities. And how medication get in the way of that. That was the campaign. We got paid nothing. And people but... don't even know what And you what did it for was. like two years. Yeah. They made years. it sound like you made $10 million in no, the lawsuit. No, you know? their other doctors were made, made a lot They were making money, the money, yeah. but you just got a mention and you got wrapped well, in Well, I, I made a mistake. I made a mistake. Yeah, but and, you weren't uh, one of the people that took millions of dollars. No. You know? No. You, you know, I think you... So again, those of you that want to say that I was a shill for Wellbutrin, I was not. I was talking about getting people off antidepressants, much like our last caller, and I made an error. I made an error. That's on me. I didn't disclose where I normally do, and I didn't, I guess. Have you ever talked about this anywhere else? million times. Okay. million times. Okay, yeah, he's talked about uh, it on the show a bunch I, of times. Yeah. 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 He's oh, talked okay. about it here. Every time it comes I, up. I, I think something that also yeah, needs to be pointed out is that this happened. This was something about at least ten years ago, if I remember correctly, when this all Dude. happened. 
1997. Oh, wow, even further. Okay, so the Nin- article I was article it, it, I read the, was 10 years the old. The article, <laughs> the lawsuit was in 2000 something, 2015 or 20 something. 20 years ago. But my campaign was 1997 right. and 1998. Five years ago. Almost 30 years ago. 30 years ago. No. I, I think no, of this we were more years, as, It will be 30 well, years we, ago. Yeah, we were married. I, yeah. I think of I this more right. as it's, it's, it 25. seems like there that you have someone should have consulted you and walked you through this because back then I remember especially influencers did not understand that people had to give these sort of disclosures, FTC disclosures. In fact, just yeah. like a few weeks ago, Kim Kardashian got fined by the FTC over a million dollars yep. because she didn't put yep. the correct FTC disclosures. And they're really tight about that. Back uh-huh. then, it yep. it wasn't very clear. You didn't have to be clear in TV shows that, oh, the four- You know what? You're right. Show, it was loosier, it was loosier goosier then, but we, yeah. we didn't look at it as a legal standard. We looked at it as an ethical standard. Right, and, exactly. And so it, it got confusing, I think. I'm trying to reconstruct it in my mind. It was 30 years ago. That, that, <laughs> 25. That, that, that um, a quarter a century ago, everybody, a quarter century. Let's, let's think about this. So I think in my mind, I must have been thinking, hey, I'm just telling them what I do in my practice. Why do I need to disclose? It's just what I do. Right. Uh, but you do. You do need to disclose when you mention a medication that you're entitled to mention, entitled to use, entitled to talk about. It kind of stopped the whole drug company using doctors as promotion. Well, no, that that. was all, see, that's the whole point. Now I don't think we would work with a big pharma company like that. We just wouldn't do it because it doesn't, it doesn't. We haven't ever had an ad from big pharma in all your shows you've ever done because of that. We have worked with small pharma companies that I think have really important tasks that they're trying to pull out. No, we passed on most of everything. But that that we are, um, uh, but... But the big pharma, this is what we were talking about with RFK, right? It's what we were talking about with Robert Kennedy, with the 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 coziness of these relationships and the confusion of where money goes here and there. That's what you don't want to be a part of. And that's what I'm trying to stay out of. So we'll you take, always have. I've got a bunch of calls. For 25 I'm get years. To. I see some of you that have been on hold a long time. I'm gonna get right to you after this break. Consumer price index yet again going up, stock market in turmoil. What's our government doing to quell the surge of inflation that is gutting american families oh yeah they're spending more money and adding to the burden don't bury your head in the sand while your savings get decimated it's time to do something about this visit birchgold.com slash true now i don't give investment advice but you can visit birchgold b-i-r-c-h gold.com slash true birchgold will send you a free info kit on protecting your savings with gold in a tax sheltered account great people with almost 20 years of experience converting iras and 401ks into precious metals IRAs. Don't let your savings lose value. Visit birchgold.com slash true and claim your free, no obligation info kit from Birch Gold. You can own physical gold and silver in a tax-sheltered retirement account and Birch Gold will help you do it. Birch Gold has an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of satisfied customers. Check them out now. Visit birchgold.com slash true and secure your future with gold. Do it now. For a long time, I've been talking about the holy grail of skincare, Genucel, and the amazing results that both Susan and I have seen. I'm a big fan of Genucel's Silky Smooth XV. It's a moisturizer soaked right into my skin instantly, and with its immediate effects, I saw fine lines and wrinkles visibly disappear within 12 hours. Susan loves Genucel's vitamin C serum, infused with the purest vitamin C, absorbs to the deepest layer of the skin thanks to Genucel's proprietary skincare technology. I am a snob when it comes to using products on my face. 
The dermatologist makes a ton of money from me. But when I was introduced to Genucel, I was so happy because it's so affordable and it works great. I was introduced to the Ultra Retinol Cream, which I love at night. All the eye creams are amazing. People notice my skin all the time, and I'm so excited because it's actually working. And right now, Genucel has bundled my favorite products and Susan's for you to try today for up to 60% off retail pricing. That's right. Save up to 60% on my favorite Genucel products today. Just go to genucel.com slash Drew to see what's in our bundles and receive an extra 10% off at checkout when you enroll in their personal concierge at checkout. That again is genucel.com slash Drew, G-E-N-U-C-E-L.com slash D-R-E-W. The parallel economy has empowered us to care for our health, well-being, as well as longevity. Likewise, for us pet parents who now have a place to go when it comes to keeping the family dogs, cats, even horses in the best shape possible. As a dog dad, I'm thrilled to be working with Pet Club 24-7, a company founded by two guys who lost dogs to serious conditions, including cancer. Pet Club 24-7 has an incredible array of products, including a line of supplements for humans, such as the Inforce Plus Corollius Versicolor and Inforce Corollius Versicolor with Reishi. My friend and colleague, Christina Ferrari, a cancer survivor herself, swears by it. When I was diagnosed, the doctor in the emergency room told me, you have two years to live. Oh, boy. Along with the stem cell, I took these. I have been in remission for eight years now. For dogs, mush puppy treats are a fan favorite. Rex, you want to, oh, boy. Oh, he came right. Oh, there he is. They are also made with the Coriolis Versicolor Mushroom, which supports their immune system, according to hundreds of clinical studies. Here's Kristen Ludlow, National Vice President. That strain does matter. We do have the most potent strain, and we also extract it in a proprietary way. And that's why we've been having such wonderful experiences with these products. Mush puppies are made here in the U.S. There are no fillers. It's non-addicting. Your dog can't accidentally overdose. Go to drdrew.com slash petclub247 for a discount off the list price. That is drdrew.com. P-E-T-C-L-U-B-247, Pet Club 247. All right, we're back. Get right to these calls. I know a lot of you have been on hold for quite a while. Let me get uh, Chris up here. Uh, I will get to you guys today. I think I'm going to get to most everybody. Yeah. Uh, Chris, we what's going to... on? Yeah, I think we Hello. Can... Hey there. I did not expect to be speaking with you. I'm a registered respiratory therapist mm -hmm. and don't have anything to speak about the COVID or vaccines because we all know what's going on there. I have a question for you personally, Dr. Drew. Mm. I watched Dennis Rodman on your show, mm -hmm. and now he is on The Surreal Life and wanted to see if you had seen his recent behavior and your and opinion my what? on what's going on. I, I have not watched what's going on. I would be very cautious about drawing conclusion from what goes on in a reality show, because I don't know what the producers are doing to encourage some of this stuff. Um, however, uh, I, I no longer treat Dennis. Dennis and I, however, are friends. Uh, and he knows my concerns about him and they, I have lots of them. <laughs> uh, and I care. He is drinking alcohol like yeah. water. Yeah. And just so like I, and always I, again, I don't want to, um, how can we manage this in a way that's still honest? Uh, I, I don't want to do di divulge any confidences, but he know he knows I know, and he knows I'm concerned and he does very well for periods of time. And then he doesn't. 
and that's the way some people are with their condition. I, I wish for right. everybody. I wish for everybody to get it and stay with it, but it uh, doesn't always work like that. And Dennis, if you remember, now this I can talk about. My gravest concern is if you remember, I did brain scans on him and a few of the other patients. Correct. And, and he had the stippling of his cortical surface associated with significant alcoholic liver damage. Excuse me, alcohol, right. alcoholic brain damage. And so that, as somebody that cares about this man, that has always been something I've been very, very concerned about. <laughs> and, whoops, and bring up to him, not on a, you know, whenever I can. But uh, it's, it's, yeah, if he's drinking, that's concerning. And he certainly has a huge, you know, one of the um, markers for alcoholism uh, in some of the bigger studies, they try to figure out how you can, if you have somebody with, uh, who's a, well, the classic study was done on sons of alcoholic fathers. And how do, you, mm -hmm. how do you predict who the sons are that are going to develop alcoholism? And resistance to alcohol intoxication was the numero uno marker. And so if you are somebody that can drink everybody under the table and have huge tolerance to alcohol, that's a problem. <laughs> that's a marker. If you're able to catch any of the, the new surreal life, you will understand what I'm saying. Okay. It's very disconcerting, and he mm -hmm. has mentioned your name also in vain or uh, in, in vain no or? no 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 as someone who he has sought treatment from yeah yeah and he's and he's done well and uh and again i am not presently doing that role for him in his life and i've terminated that and then we subsequently became friends and uh, i care what happens to him he, yeah he's, he's got he's got a you know he's, good guy he is a good guy and he he as many look I, Rodney King is somebody I had massive affection for, and I'm still friends oh, with his family. Oh my gosh, I know. And, and Rodney, when he drank, was a horrific monster. <laughs> he was yeah. terrible. And when he didn't drink, he was the the kindest, most amazing, one of the most amazing humans I know. And so it's this deal. It's this illness. It's this chemical. It, it messes people up, and and it's it's sad when it does. So last time we had him on our show, it was this life you live hashtag you live yeah. with Bob Boris. Yep, that was a good. Good time. And I told him, I told him then, I said, uh, Sean, I mean, uh, um, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm getting emotional just thinking about all this stuff. Dennis, I said, uh, can you imagine somebody mentioning the words Dennis Rodman and Nobel Peace Prize in the, <laughs> in the same sentence? Because back when he was making the inroads to North Korea, that people would say silly things like that. But Aww. there we were. He, look, uh, he we ha he has a whole group of peers looking after him. There's a lot of sober people pulling for Dennis, and yeah. and when he does do well, he does very well. He really does. So uh, let's talk to Daniel. That's nice that she's worried about him. Too. Yeah, I get it. I I saw a couple of little two second clips, and I and I thought to myself, uh oh, you know, when I was watching that. So Daniel, what's going on there? You were you were unmuted. Now you're muted again. There you are. What's up? Oh, now he's muted again. He goes on and off. I hear him. I can hear the background noise. Oh, here we go. All there right. I'm sorry about that. You bet. What's up? Uh, not much. Thanks for having me up. You bet. Um, question for you is I am a former paramedic firefighter. Um, absolutely loved every aspect of medicine. Trauma is cool when you first get into it because it's blood, guts, and gore. But when you if you stick around long enough, you start to enjoy solving the medical puzzles, which involves a lot of analytical thought, mm -hmm. logic, um, and it just 
as someone who was in that world and absolutely loved it and loved everything about it, what would you say to a guy like me who really appreciated the logic that it took to get to um, a conclusive diagnosis and then treat the patient in a pre-hospital setting and just watching that be blown to shit uh, across the board throughout the COVID pandemic? Right. I mean, at... I really don't want to lose faith, I guess is what I'm saying. I'm hoping you can restore it. Give me give me some good news here. The good news is that you are not alone. That I saw exactly what you're talking about. I still, you know, I I all the way through the pandemic, I was shaking my head in disbelief. Now I've progressed to where I look like my Australian shepherd who just turns his head and looks at me like, I'm trying to make sense of what you're saying. I can't. <laughs> so I feel like that's improvement. And I'm slowly putting together the pieces of what happened to us. Uh, I will, there, there's still a couple concerns I have like you. Uh, one is like yourself, I, I thought my job was so important. Like it was really an important job. And I feel like a lot of our peers sort of abandoned that in some sort of self-preservation, mass formation. Some Something happened that we need to really look at ourselves. But people are looking at it and they are piecing it together. And I do believe there will be some sort of, if not a reckoning, at least an evaluation of how we cannot do this in the future. But it was it was extraordinary to watch. I, I am so with you on this. It, you need to go back to go to medical school and become a surgeon. You sound like somebody that would be a great surgeon. Uh, I think you'd, you'd love that improvisational challenge of being in a surgical field and solving problems. Quite the compliment. I I appreciate that. Thank you, sir. All right, man. Good luck. Stay with it. We'll we'll get through this. We'll figure this out. Uh, it, it's again the the thing the the new information I have as of today that came to me yesterday, and again, it was some of it was from reading this uh, article on Springer Link, it's called, Censorship and Suppression of COVID-19 Heterodoxy, Tactics and Counter-Tactics. It was in an article called Minerva, an open access thing. It's not a peer-reviewed thing, it was just sort of a, a review of what happened. And the one thing that jumped out at me from this article was they make the point that almost all of the people that were severely canceled, severely, um, I don't even have words for it anymore, the way their careers were disrupted and their reputations were destroyed. Those people whose names you know, a lot of them you know now, but even the ones you don't know, virtually all of them were people of the highest academic standard with multi-decade years of clinical experience without a blemish on their record and which, the, again, like Jay Bhattacharya, or or Aaron Cariotti, who I interviewed yesterday. These are people at the highest post in their profession, maintaining the highest ethical and professional standards, teaching, helping patients for decades. It's hard to do that and not have any, um, they never took their foot off the accelerator in terms of the work they were doing. And all of a sudden they were taken down by a group there, that's the article, were taken down by a group who was using tactics, unfair smear and fear tactics consciously in an attempt to suppress their First Amendment privileges in order to have their way, to express their will, to make sure that their decision-making wasn't uh, addressed uh, or, or countered in any way or was 
uh, open for further discussion. I understand there was a panic. I understand there was a lot of things going on at the time, but there were people who were raising their hand and saying, maybe there's something better we could do here. Why don't we talk about it? And those are the people that were summarily crushed. That's astonishing to me that, that we pick the best and brightest and the, with, the, with the highest professional standing and chose to totally destroy those people. It's, it's you in in science; those are the people you want to kind of listen to. Typically, even if they seem to have an outlying opinion, you want to make note. Huh? They had that opinion. Let's hmm, maybe they're onto something. I don't necessarily agree with it, but let me listen to what they have to say. The fact that it went the other way into this weird guillotine, this weird uh, public execution, very bizarre, very bizarre. And th this article that Caleb just put up there also highlights how how these people responded, which is also kind of interesting to me. Everyone responded with shock, like what, what in what world do, do me just raising an issue result in this? It's shocking. They couldn't believe it. Then they went into sort of uh, protest, trying to fight against it. So they, again, accelerated what they were saying. I actually remembered feeling like this when I was talking about the panic that the press was inducing. It's, it's how you get into trouble right there because you become you can become hubristic and start becoming adamant about your position as opposed to just evaluating and trying to be reasonable. That was my error in, in the early phases of the, of the pandemic. And, uh, and they protested and they fought back. Then they were further marginalized. And some of them, maybe like me, said things that were excesses, excessive, but they then were pushed into alternative means with that. There we are. In an effort to silence alternative voices, widespread use was made not only of censorship, but of tactics of suppression of that damages the reputation and careers of dissenting doctors and scientists, regardless of their academic or medical status, and regardless of their status prior to expressing a contrary position. There it is. It's crazy. And, event, and eventually what they had to do is find alternative means of expressing themselves. And it's sort of interesting that uh, we created this platform for Dr. Kelly Victory to be a part of what I was doing. It was actually Susan's idea. I didn't think of it as uh, creating an alternative platform for somebody who had been censored. I just thought she had interesting ideas and I wanted to hear interesting ideas. And she knew people who had alternative ideas. And I wondered if I could learn something from them. And thus, and now of course, we both are being, um, there, there are extremists out there that call that call anyone that has any sort of dissenting opinion, or or an, even just raising their hand and asking for more data, as anti-vax. You're an anti-vaxer. And, and by the way, the the great thing about my position is I get called by those people anti-vaxers, and because I give my elderly patients the vaccine, I'm called a shill for Pfizer. So so uh, the critics agree, everybody. The critics agree. Uh, it's all over the map. <laughs> you can't make anyone it's so happy. ridiculous. You really can't. Isn't it so ridiculous? <laughs> oh, it's, it's so ridiculous. It, Particularly, it's wow. It yeah. is so interesting. Go ahead. Yeah. No, they just they attack. Uh, it you, you've on, you've like, been sitting I, here watching I can, it. I can sit here and I can be watching on Twitter while you're on the show, and they're attacking you from one angle because you're not promoting enough vaccines. Then I go over to Rumble, and they're right. attacking you because you're promoting too many vaccines, and none of them are right. Happy and the fact, the fact that I use Paxlovid <laughs> is is a disaster. Uh, yeah, I, I took care of a, a, of a COVID patient today and I elected not to use Paxlovid. It was on the table. It was a maybe, but I thought, you know, this person will probably get a rebound. He's doing pretty good with this. Let's not, yeah. let's not do it. That rebound thing's no good. Yeah. Uh, but isn't that crazy? I mean, you have and guys like- it makes like, your mouth taste terrible. So, Caleb, I know you had concerns about Dr. Gorski's thing out there. I, I, I 
you know, I like his yeah. reasoning. I think he's got an interesting point of view. I'm ready to listen to him. It's his it's his rhetoric that it has it has to be so extreme and denigrating that that I feel like Susan. We used to talk to our kids, and we would say, "I can't hear you when you talk like that." Yeah. <laughs> when you when you talk like that, I can't hear you. I've it, been dealing with him for a long time. It makes so it hard I, to I hear. I have my feelings. Even though I I've left the door open to talking to him, and he now it can't speak to me because I spoke to Robert Kennedy. So what is that now? He's what, too good for you. This what, is the that clip all? that I we actually we actually cut this clip and uploaded oh. it like a few days before that. He's doctor an issue on with Twitter. that. He didn't. I don't even think he even saw it. He he actually said course, in the thing that he wrote that he didn't actually watch more than a few minutes of any of the videos. And then he goes on Twitter and says, "Calls you an anti-vaxer doc," which right. is the exact well, calls, opposite. But, calls, but, but to be fair, he calls everybody an anti-vaxer. Any anybody other than orthodoxy, which is five and above, twelve and above, get it. Five and above, get it. Anybody goes, hmm, I don't know. I'm not sure. Anti-vax, anti-vax. And it's kind of interesting because I, I feel like he's been the object of the anti-vax. We shouldn't even be giving him promotion. I, I, relax. The anti-vax world has been after him for a long time in horrible, horrible ways. And so I, I think he's like built this sort of immediate defensiveness to it that I can understand given what he's been through all these years. But it's missing right. a little bit of the nuance. And now he's going to get in trouble from being, being too hubristic and, if it turns out that there are some problems with this thing. And he's attacking we'll people that that could be on his side. Like he could, you've 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 invited yeah, him I know. to come and speak many yeah, times, but he just I wants know. to go and attack I you. I, I don't I understand. I have that. my I understand theories why you can't about people like this. What, what My theory, theories? okay, because I'm the social media person, as you are, Caleb, but I had to watch the thread at the beginning of the pandemic and watch him just go off on you and everybody else. Every time he would say something shitty, he'd get 50 more followers. Yeah, and yeah. the guy tweets a thousand times a day. Mm -hmm. That's all he does. Mm -hmm. He's not even practicing medicine. Like, I don't even know what he's doing, but he's he's on his phone like a teenager. And when you it, do it's, that, it's, you get yeah, more attention. I thought of that too. He says he's a cancer surgeon, but when are you doing surgery if you're constantly I mean, on the he's phone always like on his freaking phone. It's really And and, and, and honestly, why, he's and, been doing this for 3 it's years. It's weird to me. It's also weird to me that people get canceled by their employer for I don't know, saying, you know, sort of talking to Robert Kennedy or something, but but he can go on the attack and say horrible things about other people and his employer isn't concerned about that? All fucking day. But weird. then he puts like pictures of puppies at the on a, <laughs> pins it to the top. Oh, I had, a, I had a litter of puppies today. Like he's some kind of a saint. It's like- well, uh, this, You have strong feelings. I've read a lot of his thread I and I think he's a douche I canoe. I don't have it. <laughs> I don't have those feelings. Uh, turbo this is, let's keep going. The, you, the negativity fuels people, Susan. You just, it's pretty, and I don't think it's collegial and I don't think it's right. Oh, he's for trying to get to numbers and people to like him. I, I yeah, really exactly. think physicians should talk to each other like colleagues. That, that, that's that makes that's my whole point. Do. I don't understand why all the physicians can't work together. Like, you have a huge platform. Why wouldn't I, you I know. Come the, we, on the Your show job is speak. to serve patients, not right. to be right. Your job is to serve patients, not exactly. to be, be crapping on your peers. Uh, Turbo, what's going on? I see you there, and you're not muted. Not quite sure where you are. Oh, gone. Oh, back, gone. He's came and went. Uh, let's bring uh, Joshua up. See what's going on with Josh. Hey, doctor. Hey, man. What's happening? Not much. Um, I wanted Josh. to talk. Oh, hi, Susan. What's up? Not much. Um, so I wanted to talk about what you were saying about mental illness, because mm -hmm. um, I you sort of struck a chord. And, um, you know, I, I saw something you retweeted about 
how you can just be kind of an asshole and maybe you're not, maybe you don't have mental illness. Right. Um, and I was wondering if you could talk about that and how one would come to know uh, whether they have mental illness, if they're prone because of their illness, not to. Not to what? Not to know that they are sick. Oh, that's so, that's a feature of lack of insight or anosognosia is a absolute feature of serious mental illness. Almost always. Okay, so how would you come to know if you were not well? You the like I did you see the interview that's anosognosia up there on the uh, screen. Uh, did you see the interview I did with, I'm blanking on his name from uh, New Orleans, from, he's a, oh, shoot, I'm so embarrassed that I can't remember his name. Is it, he's a he's a professional now and he had severe bipolar disorder. Yes, and, I remember that. Yeah, and he yeah. was, you know, going to, to Quantica all the time and telling the FBI that he had special information. And he had, he took him about, he said, six to 12 months before he realized how crazy that was. So you have to okay. you have to come down from the state, whatever it might be, and that usually requires medication. At the same time, the cognitive behavioral therapies activating the you know frontal frontal lateral prefrontal cortex regions to kind of be aware of what you're doing and to sort of reflect upon it. Uh, that tends to bring into awareness. Like for instance, schizophrenics can be the one, one of the, the reasons I'm I'm crazed by all the schizophrenic on the street who are out there sick as hell and don't know it is early on. First of all, you can prevent the brain deterioration that happens with untreated schizophrenia, but you can teach them to become aware of what delusional thinking is. I, I've had schizophrenics say to me like, "Oh yeah, I thought yesterday the devil was trying to take my child," but I remembered that we I learned that that is my that's my illness those are my delusions again and they can step back from them as opposed to be overcome by them yeah um so like you can even be a sort of a philosopher and and the things you're doing aren't sort of like FBI like you know in other words you can just anytime, be really smart anytime yeah. you imagine you uh, it, unless there is some evidence like you are a professor or you've got all A's in a philosophy degree or something, if you, anything absent evidence where you feel you have special powers, special insight, special purpose, all that, be suspect. And we're seeing a lot of that from weed these days. Weed induces that kind of thinking, which is kind of tough. So people start you know, thinking that these kinds of grandiose thoughts and not getting a lot done that because they, they have special purpose and special insight, but no evidence. Yeah. And, and I guess the reason why that would be mental illness is because you could get better than your, the state, the state you're in is not, um, it's not feeding you the correct way. It's it, destroying it's, it's you in so, some way. So correct. So, so mental health is about a being being high, uh, be thriving being as highly functional as you can is something is getting in the way of your functioning and b being able to assess and accept reality on reality's terms you're clear what reality is you're accurate what reality is and you accept what reality is uh and your and your role in it you're you know you're right sized your self assessment is accurate none of us are perfect with all this stuff but just generally speaking uh reality on reality's terms and good functioning Okay, we'll, we'll and, go with that. 
And what would you say about anger? I feel like anger is a part of this too, because if, if reality is causing you so much anger, um, it's almost like the anger itself is sort of pathological can make you sick. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there can be way. pathological anger. Usually hold on a second. Uh, oh, uh, reticuli reminds me of Michael Crichton's thing. Thank you. Reticuli. Um, anger can usually makes people depressed if if the anger is sort of it kind of goes anger resentment and then sort of mood off uh but yes anger is uh yeah anger is like internal internalized yeah. right i mean we it, get angry yeah. ourselves yeah you have to kind of anger yeah. has to be kind of expressed it has to be you know I, i'm not an expert in anger i got to tell you anger is sort of a, a little bit of a probably because i'm not great at expressing anger myself that anger doesn't get my attention that much but i do know that people that have sort of unrepressed anger you know the the other thing is sometimes gosh well now you're getting towards assholishness for lack of a better word sometimes reality does kind of suck and you do get appropriate anger about it but the issue becomes then well how do you express that anger and how do you deal with it productively is it productive to be an asshole and just act out that anger or might there be better ways yeah, and I guess loss is and grief is it's attached to this because mm -hmm. sometimes we're angry when we should be grieving. Maybe there's some grief there that we're not dealing with, yes. and the anger yes. sort of covers it up. Yes, in some way. yes, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly that anger is a part of grief, but you're making a bigger point here, which is that when the world isn't what we expected it to be, or we turn out not to be who we thought we were. Yeah, we experience grief, and people fight that. They would rather blame. It's like the worst thing in the world just to mm. mourn a loss, to, particularly so when that difficult. loss is particularly when that loss is who you thought you were. Uh, it'd, it'd be better just to get angry at the world and to tend to feel that. And a narcissist might be prone to this. I mean, 100%. narcissism. We we want to maintain our narcissistic perfect image. Hundred percent. 100%. And when that, and it, it can happen just in old age, when someone gets older, they're not as attractive anymore 100%. and they might lose the attention they used to have. And this can cause sadness and anger. Aging, yeah. aging narcissism is uh, not pretty. It's, it's, but it's a chance painful. to get help at that point. Yeah, right. they, t they have, you know what, I, I don't have a lot of uh, uh, enthusiasm for treating people over the age of like 65 or 70 because <laughs> yeah. they're pretty fixed in their in their way. But but maybe, you know, you can say maybe there's opportunity for um, finding greater richness in your relationships by coming to terms with some of that stuff. Very good, Josh. Thank you so much. Uh, my mom goodness. was a narcissist. You're just realizing. No, but she got, she got dementia and forgot. <laughs> I forgot that she was a narcissist. <laughs> oh, it's funny. Oh my goodness. All right, let's uh, kind of keep going here. All right, let's get uh, reptile up here. Whatever that is, let's see what reptile is. Their name there? Nope. Wait, I know oh, that was a joke, Drew, but is that possible for like a narcissist What's to like that? like a, a narcissist to become less of a narcissist because they forget about? themselves in a way like well, is that actually it's, it's the answer like is better over time the, oh yes yes because in in you know alzheimer's dementia particularly this the self dissolves the self goes away so there's no self to be narcissistic about right wow that makes so much Get sense it? i just never thought about it wow yeah yeah well susan experienced it it was a lot easier yeah she experienced it firsthand it's uh, sad though yeah
Okay, I'm, I'm trying to make decisions here about whether to keep, we've got a few more guests I gotta try to bring up here. I'm gonna try to bring, Sh oh no, do we have Sean up here? Let's try it again. Did I, or is somebody I tried to bring up and couldn't bring up? Sean, did I have you up before or? I'm getting confused by the different names that are uh, coming across my screen. Just unmute yourself there if you're still there. Let's see, somebody's saying on Twitch, being a narcissist means you're constantly stuck on something that happened to you and it still affects you every day like glorified self-loathing. Narcissist can get stuck on things and that stuckness is usually resentment. For uh, sure. Do I she fast? Had that. I do not fast since I started a keto diet. Uh, okay. I lost Good. seven pounds. Good. Doing um, delayed gratification. What does that mean? It, what do Dieting? they call? Yeah, you don't eat till like three o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, that's the fasting thing we were just Fast, talking about. Intermittent. Mm -hmm. I drink coffee during the day and then I delayed gratification. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's an interesting concept for you. It's yeah, I know. not something you. But I lost seven pounds, so every day I go, hmm, not so bad. Sean, are you there? I'm going to put you back if you don't uh, unmute yourself. I'm going to go try to get a couple more people. Yeah, up I probably fell asleep. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> is that you, Sean? Yes. Hey, Dr. Drew. How are you? What's happening? Hey, man. Hey, I'm curious. I got a, a good buddy of mine who uh, you were talking about COVID at the early part of this uh, mm -hmm. session here. And I've got a buddy. He's a long hauler and he's been, uh -oh. uh, he, yeah, he's had remnants of this for, oh gosh, it's going on. It's a year plus now. Terrible. Um, yeah. And, and um, I've got some clinical folks, a uh, clinical team that I work with, and mm -hmm. I talked to them about it. And a nurse practitioner has suggested, you know, maybe try, try having him try getting into a study, yep. um, you know, to get with kind of an, an infectious disease doc. Um, and that was several months back. And um, is there anything else kind of leading edge yeah, that yeah. might be out there? I mean, go, go check out uh, covidlonghauler.com. They are having good results with a multiplicity of different kinds of uh, therapeutic interventions. COVIDLongHauler.com. Uh, Doc, Dr. Patterson just did an, a YouTube video on it, too. Dr. So, Patterson? Yeah. Dr. Yeah. Dr. Yeah, Gendra's over there. It's just COVIDLongHauler.com. Don't They're, they have like a YouTube plural. channel or something? They, COVID long haulers, COVID long haulers .com, Apologize. Long and uh, haulers, they use some antivirals. They use stat. They're using all kinds of funny things. They're, we should they, have and, them back. And they're having good results. So the the they also are sort of nailing down the physiology a little bit and where the inflammation is going, which seems to be primarily in the brain. So it's it's a real thing and it's nasty. And I've seen it from the vaccine and from the COVID. I've seen them both. Um, something about this spike protein. One of the theories is is that the Spike protein keeps uh, persisting in these things called, I believe, classical non-classical monocytes who normally go through a cell cycle and die. They are not going through their normal cycle and they're staying in the central nervous system and causing some sort of inflammation. So that seems to be the thing. So covidlonghaulers.com. Uh, Reptile's applauding. So I'll bring I wonder if he has links here. to his video. Uh, Reptile, you uh, dealing with long hauler stuff too? If who has links? Uh, a reptile. That's a cool. Good day, Dr. Drew. Good day, Good day sir. From, 
G'day from down under Australia. Mate, I just want to say again, keep up the good fight. You've been doing some amazing work. And that, that interview with Robert F. Kennedy Jr. was absolutely brilliant. But I do have to ask you, mate, because like, especially when you're talking to guys like Robert F. Kennedy Jr. and so many other guys, I do have to ask respectfully why you would say that, like, and still recommend that people over 65 would take this thing because I personally know people over 65 have been damaged from this thing. And I think at this point, mate, we I think we, we can safely say this is a, a some sort of a bioweapon and, and I, again not that I know anything like yeah. you do mate but so let me you know, let me should, let we, me, should we really be injecting yeah. over 65s with I, this I, stuff mate? I understand if somebody didn't want it or a doctor didn't want to prescribe it I totally understand I totally get it I I am trying to I am trying to walk a line uh between overreacting to some of the data that you're talking about uh and ignoring some of the benefits that have been derived, right? Uh, and also some of that, the benefits that I'm seeing, I'm actually seeing clinically without the adverse events that you're talking about, knowing full well that they happen. But the question is, which it's a, it's a risk reward. This is the thing that's been missing in this whole damn worldwide mess we've been in, is people making good risk reward decisions. And so I'm trying to make a risk reward decision just yesterday for an 82 year old with multiple medical problems who did well with the boost, who did well with the previous vaccine, who's had COVID. I'm trying to make a risk reward analysis for that person based on the concerns you have, because I've seen the same, I've done the interviews that you've seen. And the fact that billions of people have received this and it seems like it's, there's been some benefit. The question is at what potential harm? And I'm trying to weigh that out against what I see every day in my clinical practice where I'm not really seeing much in the 65 plus group. Remember, I was an enthusiast about Paxlovid at the beginning because I saw it just it just stopped the illness. Now I've seen a bunch of rebound where people were sick for three weeks and maybe we're just had would have been sick for a week had I not used it. So our experience with these things does change with time. Again, enthusiast for Paxlovid still thinks it has a role. But I'm not prescribing it as much anymore because of my clinical experience. Maybe I will get to the point where uh, I'll be objecting to any further boostering of my patients. I could see getting there pretty pretty easily because I'm not sure what we're doing just yet. But uh, that's my thinking, my friend, and that's that's sort of where where I have to I have to I have to leave it as a, as a clinician trying to do what's best for patients. I'm trying to do what's best. I really am. Uh, let me quickly get. Uh, uh let's see hold on a second oh my goodness we you guys are all new to me and i'm trying to get somebody up here that i think you want to get new people okay that's what i'm trying to do this is uh mj mj i think mj and then we got to kind of wrap this thing up so uh this is michelle i think this is going to be there you are Hello, sir. hey there so um, I would love to hear your advice for um, parents of an adult um, who is transitioning medically mm. and does not um, really hear any um, of our concerns regarding how that can affect him medically also the fact that um he's not getting the uh past history of trauma 
dealt with. Um, and most importantly, though, the um, issues of his his rhetoric and argument of, um, you know, he's right about everything. And so how do we keep that like love and friendship between mm-hmm. us? Like, how do we not offend him? Yeah, I know. Because, um, yeah, it's hard. Um, the good news is I do know lots of adults at transition that uh, are thriving and I believe was the right decision for them. And I, you know, and support them fully. And so it it's not as though this is something that you have to be afraid of necessarily. I understand what you're saying, uh, and that the complete picture is not being managed. That is though managing this will manage everything. And so the way I look at complex cases like this is, gosh, I would I would approach it with a team like I would any other complicated medical psychiatric situation. If there's trauma, if there's need for medication, if there's major interpersonal issues with the family, I would get a primary care person and I would get a psychiatrist and I'd put a team together from there. I'd get two people that everybody trusts, one on the mental health side and one on the medical side, and I would start piecing together a team that uh, that kept the best interest of the patient in mind as we got this whole thing sort of managed. And it could easily include the the whole team to help with the transition, but boy, you sure want to not miss the trauma stuff, would you? Right. So I and there be and why and if the family starts having issues, I would bring the family into the into the into the situation as well. Try to have some family dynamic therapy, but it it's not easy. It is not easy. I understand. Um, and anybody who how can we say this? Um, whenever parents have concerns. Uh, and adults, uh, children, seem unable to see what's going on or to uh, listen to the parents' concerns, it's often at the detriment of the, of the patient, the child, because parents really have only the best interests of the individual in mind. And I think trying to get the identified patient um, to understand that uh, can sort of soften things a little bit. Does that make sense? For sure. And, uh, yeah. and and I know in the meantime it, it's painful because you, you're you're sort of seen as outside or an enemy or you know trying to impose your will or whatever it is which of course you're not you're just trying to make sure this person you love gets the best possible treatment. Yeah, mm-hmm. I have a question. Yeah, do you think there's any substance use oh. in this in this scenario included that you might have to address? Oh yes, there's that too. <laughs> yeah, and, and because that, that's and, that's like you have to really make sure that that's not the problem. Well, it's not coming only between that's not, your your communication, right? Because the the right. Ca- cannabis and stimulants can really make it hard to have any sort of, uh, it, particularly if you're hearing people saying you're not hearing me or you know you're you're, you're accusing you of doing things you're not doing or projecting their own yeah, feelings projecting on you their stuff on you that's when you know that the substances sometimes sometimes support that kind of thinking okay yeah like that's probably the first thing you want to make sure you have somebody to well, but again advise. This, this like a psychologist if, or right well that's why if you had a team you had a primary care person and a psychiatrist you could go to them and go hey man you're you're missing this piece we need another team member here we need a chemical dependency counselor or we need the psychiatrist to address it whatever it is because again you know these these are complicated situations and leaving out it's it's like if somebody had alcoholic liver disease this is just for sake of conversation and, and you start treating the liver disease but leaving out the alcoholism well 
it's not going to it's not going to work it's going it's going to still create more problems down the down the line so you you have to treat the whole person and unfortunately that and i'm not and this is not me saying that uh people that have uh, uh want to transition have gender identity uh sort of um uh th that identifies a separate gender have to see a psychiatrist i'm not saying that i'm not saying that there are other issues necessarily this caller told me there are other issues it's a complicated situation and these things are being missed and that is a deeply unfortunate situation when the whole person is not treated that's all i'm saying i think that doctors should make you go through a mental health well you know uh survey before and ask if you use drugs you know before you they allow say yes to sure let's change your gender like what they should do like a history on that and say are they ready for this you know it's given the way the care of transgender patients is so fragmented that becomes really hard yeah it becomes really hard but ideally of course you'd want everybody with any treatment of anything to get the the whole person treated but that's it's it's a very odd thing going on right now where you're not allowed to bring up other issues to the team that's treating the gender part so it seems problem uh you can be i believe i believe it is possible to be gender affirming and treat the whole person that's possible that's not an impossibility it's quite possible okay well we got to wrap things up these are very interesting complicated calls we're getting we wish you today. all the luck yeah and absolutely and we want your I, did you say it was a son to daughter or daughter yes was uh we want her to we want her to thrive to thrive in the world to have a have a great life that's all that matters that's all i think most people want and the fact that some people are called you know i did an interview with a guy named jamie kilstein uh for after dark and he was telling me how he was one of these trolling assholes who thought everyone that didn't see po the political landscape the way he did was a horrible person a bad person needed to be destroyed and then something awful happened to him that humbled him and he realized oh we all just want what's best for our family and each other and we just have different ideas about getting there but it's not because they're good people and bad people it's because we just have differing opinions about how to get there and we could probably share opinions this is again back to like how the science should be shared and debating and finding the the route to the best possible outcome the closest proximity to the truth the best thing for people uh the people that feel other than that are pathological if you're if you're convinced that everybody is out there to harm other people it's just it's just not so i mean go out there and meet people not i'm not saying there isn't evil i'm not saying there aren't bad people there are but that's a that's a very small number and we all the rest of us need to get together on a middle ground that's all i'm saying uh okay so uh Dude. let's see what you guys are saying yeah uh you want to end yes. it on something Caleb. cute here this is my uh the latest yes. photo of Your something baby. happy <laughs> my baby this is him at the party oh my god he is walking his adorable now. wife he loves oh walking, my getting into everything mm -hmm. he likes i i made the mistake of being silly and so i took like one of his toys and i put it in my mouth like this or i made him laugh now he does that with everything he's got to take everything and now i'm like i can't joke oh about it i can't laugh look at this little kid look i'll show you here's the other one fantastic look at his cute wife though mm -hmm. Adorable. Beautiful. The best. He's a good boy. Yeah, yeah it's, a, a, it's a, um, she's a Pilates trainer. So, <laughs> yeah. you know. 
Before we went, yeah, we, before I we can't f- do that. We finish. Um, people are making some good <laughs> recommendations right on, on, on restream. Somebody said you can always make an anonymous message to the surgeon or the transition team about concerns of substance use. That is true. True. Um, you can always, always. They may not be willing to talk to you, but you can always re- give your your evidence. Tell the doctors the evidence, even if it's just. Um, if it's just uh, uh, you know anonymous on a phone message or something or an email, whatever it might be. Uh, let's see. Um, um, um. Jehep likes his wife. Jehep likes his. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'll tell her. Okay. He's very Everybody transparent. Uh, Jehep also wrote a song for you, Susan, for me called "Fart in My Face." <laughs> you have to listen to After Dark to understand what that's all about. Um, yeah. Again. Yeah, that that was a a hard question to end on because yeah, you know, well, because they're complicated to... and it's filled with lots of uh, unpleasant feelings, and people feel unsupported if you treat them. And other, I than mean, that. we have we had, Paulina had substance abuse problems mm-hmm. over the years, and we had to tiptoe around her, and mm-hmm. she got into some crazy, you know, escapades, and we and, just had to sit and wait and watch and. Now she's sober and it seems better, but she's also doing better as far as seeing things that are not so good for her. Yeah, and uh, grateful for her recovery and uh, it takes what it takes. We have don't have control over our loved ones' conditions, particularly when it comes to substances. So but that's you, why I ask because- you, If you have leverage, you can't get them to good care though. When that's communication cuts, stops, sometimes there's other reasons, so- you know, if they're not listening to your advice because they, they've sort of blocked it out with drugs. All right, guys, I, I'm sort of out of steam myself, so I apologize if I'm sort of running out of uh, enthusiasm here. It's because I'm tired. Uh, so we're going to wrap this up. Uh, we are going to be in here tomorrow at noon or one noon. One o'clock. One, one o'clock. One with o'clock with Clifton Duncan. Clifton Duncan, who is, I do recommend him as a follow on Twitter. He's been on fire lately. He's been I've so I've wanted funny. him back for a long time, but now he's he's uh, proving me right as yeah, a good guest. Susan likes Clifton. She, we, I, I saw him give a speech and I just said, but that guy, I need to talk to him. I know. And uh, he has continued. He, he said something very interesting back when I last interviewed him. He said, uh, you know, he was an up and coming actor on Broadway and really very successful and because he wouldn't take the vaccine, he was vilified by his peers, vilified and unfairly cast out, ended up working in a restaurant down in the South and is now being sort of encouraged to go back to uh, doing the work uh, on Broadway. And his position has been, why would I, whoops, why do I want to work with those people yeah, again? fuck you. Why would I want to work with the people that treated me like that, behave like that, that were so discriminatory? They've shown themselves who they are. I don't really want to be around them anymore. We had this conversation on Rumble yesterday with one of the people there. I think it was, was it Molten Salt? But they, she's, he or she said that um, the they didn't get the vaccine and the neighborhood turned against them yep. and wouldn't allow their kids to come around. Yep. And now they're starting to come back around and they're like, oh, they're starting you know, to talk to them don't again. Don't really said. want to. But yeah, you, we've seen to. who you are. We've seen that you are discriminatory. Exact same thing. Discriminatory. Uh, mass formation prone uh, people who don't care about others and uh, are prone to being swept into panics where you harm people and that's maybe somebody that's not safe to be around 
don't know. It's interesting. Uh, personally, I'm ready to get in with everybody again and try to get everybody back on track. Uh, I think they were all victimized by our government and by our media, and I blame them. Those are the those are the people I blame, and because I blame them, I want to I want to get into those mediums, meaning particularly the media itself, like we're doing here, and change it. That's always my instinct is to get into it and change it, move it in a good direction. So that's where I'm at with it. All right, everybody, thank you so much. Again, one o'clock tomorrow, Duncan Clifton, Clifton Duncan, rather. Uh, and then we are away. I guess we'll be here Monday and Tuesday. We have a show week. on Monday. Monday and Tuesday. We're, it might just be questions. I don't think we have a guest, but on Tuesday we have a guest. Ed Dowd coming back on Tuesday. Yes, we're going to bring back Ed. Dowd. We're doing some repeats this week because we like these guys. And well, we want an update. We need an update. We're leaving saying. the country for two weeks mm -hmm. until the day after Thanksgiving when we will come back. And have a really, hopefully, a really great oh, guest. We have a possible big surprise. But we're not going to say it. We can't say it yet, but we have a maybe big surprise the day after Thanksgiving that you will all enjoy. So don't forget us. We'll be there. And we'll see you tomorrow with uh, Clifton Duncan at uh, 1 o'clock. See you then. Ask Dr. Drew is produced by Caleb Nation and Susan Pinsky. As a reminder, the discussions here are not a substitute for medical care, diagnosis, or treatment. This show is intended for educational and informational purposes only. I am a licensed physician, but I am not a replacement for your personal doctor and I am not practicing medicine here. Always remember that our understanding of medicine and science is constantly evolving. Though my opinion is based on the information that is available to me today, some of the contents of this show could be outdated in the future. Be sure to check with trusted resources in case any of the information has been updated since this was published. If you or someone you know is in immediate danger, don't call me, call 911. If you're feeling hopeless or suicidal, call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255. You can find more of my recommended organizations and helpful resources at drdrew.com help. Yeah.